It's good to be together this morning. It's good to, so good to be with you and, and uh, worship the Lord together and praise his name. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for a morning where we have um, an opportunity to come and to be with you corporately and, and, and to worship you and to hear from you. And we thank you for all the work that you've been doing in the lives of our brothers and sisters. And we look forward to hearing of your greatness and of your wonder and of your glory and how you work in us individually and as a group of people to magnify your name. And so be, be honored this morning in, in your words and in the testimony of our people. In Jesus' name, amen. So I wanted to give just kind of a brief, uh, take, a, take a few moments to say this is what we're doing today and this is, this is why we're doing it. And then I'll, we'll give some directions on how we're going to do it so we can do it well. There's, uh, there's two portions of scripture that I want to spend just a little bit of time. And the first is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5 and 6. The Apostle Paul says this to the church in Corinth. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed among you. So, so the Apostle Paul was saying, there's something that I'm hearing. There's a testimony that I'm hearing about the presence of Jesus in you individually and corporately. And, I, and I'm praising God for that. I'm, I'm hearing that something significant is happening. There's transformation taking place. And... and um, and so that's the testimony that he's hearing. And so Elam and our church family here, what is the testimony of Christ within us that it might be proclaimed to those in our immediate context right here, might be proclaimed to those in, in Kokedo and the surrounding areas or even further out? What is the testimony of Christ among us that it might confirm in us individually and as a group, as the church, the presence of Jesus? and the transforming power and work of Jesus and the Spirit of God in our lives. And so as we look at testimony, what is a testimony? There's a lot of baggage that we have, and, and it's not necessarily bad, but it's just like, what, what is a testimony? And a lot of times we think, well, it's the moment when I first believed, which is true, but what I hope to do right now is just sort of broaden that a little bit so we can have a little bit larger understanding of what it could look like to, to hopefully invite some of you into, into opportunity to share today or in the future. So in the Old Testament, the, the majority of the time when, when the word testimony is used, it's about an individual speaking about to, to someone or a, about someone or about a specific situation. And so they're bearing witness. I've seen it, and I'm going to share it. In the New Testament, there's, kind of, there's, there's a few more, and, and there's sort of three specific ones. One is the same, where it's, as an individual, I'm going to bear witness. I'm going to share. This is what a testimony is. Or excuse me. This is what I've seen. This is what I've. This is what I've heard. So this is what I'm going to share. There's also. Um, there's also. The evidence, like an evidence that's given. Here's the evidence to so prove it. And so the evidence is a witness, or the person presenting it is a witness um, to what they've seen, to what they've heard, and in some cases for a judicial decision. Um, so a testimony is given. That's when they came to Jesus and they tried to testify against him. That's, they're looking for evidence to convict him. 
so that they might put him to death. Um, and, and another one that's seen prominently is this idea to, to attest or to protest earnestly. And what we see, when you see the word testimony in the book of Acts, the majority of the time, if not every time, um, this, is what it's, this is what it's talking about. The persuasion concerning Jesus and what he has done so that people would believe. So it's a persuading. This is the gospel. Believe this. I'm presenting evidence. I'm trying to persuade you to believe in who Jesus is and what he has done. So, so that's a little bit of what, what biblically, as we look at testimony, what we're referring to. And um, so it's an opportunity for us to, dare, to bear witness today of the things of, of what God has done in and through his son in our lives, in the lives of other people through us. God accomplishes his work. And so, so that's what we're seeking today, to bear witness to what he has done. And it can be short, 30 seconds, and it can be longer. And that's okay, so I don't want you to feel like I'm handicapped into 30 seconds or I have to have it be six minutes or it's not good enough. That's not the case, okay? So it's, it's, it's open. All we're doing is to seeking to honor the Lord and to, to bear witness of what he has done, who he is, okay? So uh, flip over into Psalm 145. Now, as we, as we do this, I want you to listen to this. I'm just going to read this, and I want you to think about this idea of bearing witness and proclaiming and speaking and, and, the, and, and my heart and myself and what God's doing in me and what he's doing through me in the lives of other people. So I just want to hit on this a little bit and then share these are some examples of what giving testimony can look like to hopefully open it up for us a little bit more. So I'm going to read this. One thing I like to do is just listen, because sometimes the translations aren't the same. So if you want to just listen... And let the Spirit of God show you and teach you through his word. Feel free to do that. Um, if you want to follow along, you can do that as well. Psalm 45. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of the Lord look to you, or excuse me, the eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him. 
but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. And so I want to pick out five specific things within this that give us an idea of what testimonies can look like. And so the first is, is in these first three verses. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. There is an experience of this of this psalmist, of David. There's an experience of God that he's had of which brings him to say these things, to praise God. And, and there's, a, there's a desire to know and to, to, to know more who he is, that, they, that he might praise him more. And so there's an experience that we get to have of God, both through the word as well as in life. This is who you are, God. This is what you've done. This is, this is the word of God as I read it. It's becoming real and alive to me, and I'm experiencing you. And then we become more and more amazed of who God is and what he has done. And so we speak that. And so that's a, that's a giving testimony, praising God for the things that he has done in us, through us, what he's done in Jesus. That's giving testimony about, um, about God. And so an example could be a testimony of faith, where in faith, God, in, in your word, I see this, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to step forward. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm going to do it. And then we meet God in that moment, and he meets us. And he magnifies himself and he says, you step forward in faith and this is how I respond. And so we get, to, we get to speak that word. And as we speak that word as a body, we begin to believe even more. This is who God is. This is what he's done. We praise you, God. Another is found in verse 4. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. So this is a testimony. As we speak these testimonies... We invite the people that we're speaking to in this setting or in smaller settings or individuals to enter into that experience of what we've seen God do, and we bear witness to that individual. And why do we do that? Why do we want to hear? Because what it does is within us as a body, it brings us into that experience with them. It brings us into praising God with that person, and it also brings us to belief. God, you are. You do exist. You are working. I want to experience more of you. And so it encourages us as a body into, into pursuing God more. That's what a testimony does in that way. Another example is um, maybe answered prayer. Okay, so in, in regards to that, as we speak these things and invite others into it, we say, this is what I was praying, and this is how God answered. And what does it do for us as a body? It brings us to praise God for his answer, and it also brings us to pray. God, you answered her. You answered him. Answer me, I believe you will hear and answer. And so that's an example of what it looks like, what it can look like to give testimony. This is what God's done as we've prayed and as he's answered. Another could be in teaching. As I read the word, God is teaching me this. And I'm responding in obedience in this way. And so, I say, so I'd say that. God, you're doing this, you're teaching me through your word, and I'm, I'm stepping out in faith and obedience, and, th- and you're meeting me here. And I praise you for that. And so it invites us to say, I want to know you, God, in your words, that you might be alive to me as well. Another example, uh, or another, another one is found in verse 10 and 11. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power. There's an anticipation to, to, to see God working in my life and in other people's lives. As we give testimony, 
we, we begin to anticipate as you worked in their life and as you worked in these people's lives, God, you will, be, you will work in my life. And I want to see you work in my life. And so I begin to anticipate that as I seek after God and as I pursue him in his word, that I will experience him. I anticipate that I'll experience him through the testimony of other people. And so this could be uh, the sharing of the gospel. As we see here, I will, I will give thanks to you and I will... And, and all your saints, saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom. So maybe it's a proclamation of the gospel, even as Jay was saying this morning, unto belief. So people believe. As we speak the word, as we speak the gospel and people believe, we anticipate that as I speak this word, God, you are going to use your word to change people's lives. And so we speak the gospel in faith, anticipating that you are going to do your work. And so giving testimony of, of that I spoke the word and this person believed. Praise God with me. What does that do for us? It brings us to speak the word, to speak the good news of Jesus more and more because we see, it. We see how God is changing people's lives through it. And it also encourages us to say, God, you still work in this way. You still are changing people's hearts. You are still drawing people back to yourself in belief as your word and as your gospel is preached. And so we give testimony of, of be people believing and of faith. And that changes us and encourages us and compels us forward to speak the gospel more. And maybe there's testimonies of healings in different ways, physically, emotionally, um, mentally. And, and as we speak those things, as we say, God has healed me in this way, what does that do for us as a body? It encourages us to believe, God, you are still bringing healing to people. You're still our healer. And so we draw near to you in those times of difficulty and suffering to experience you, that you might bring healing to us, that you might bring comfort to us in those ways. And so we could have testimonies of healings in different ways. Um, 17 and 19, 17, 18, and 19, look with me there. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. Um, and so this one, could be, uh, this one could be just a testimony. As somebody speaks, it brings us as a body to, to trust God more, to cling more. And so let's say an example is suffering. Um, as I'm walking through that and God is meeting me in that suffering, as we as a body are entering into times of suffering, we'll hear that testimony and we'll say, yes, God, you are worthy of our trust. We will cling to you even in the difficult moment. And so maybe you have a word of testimony even in a difficult time, and so we invite you to share that as well. And verse 15 and 16. The eyes of the Lord look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. Testimonies, what they do is they, if, as we have them, they bring us to think on God and speak about what God has done more and more. And as we speak about him, we begin to love him more. We begin to desire him more. We begin to praise him more for those things that he's done. And so some examples of that are maybe, maybe generosity. As God has been so generous to us by giving us Jesus, we too can be generous people. And so maybe we have testimonies of generosity, both giving and receiving. Maybe we have um, testimonies of, of serving. As Jesus came to serve us, so we are also free to serve other people as he served us. Maybe we have testimonies of serving and how God has used that to magnify himself. And so ultimately, what, do a what does a testimony do? It brings, 
It brings glory and honor and praise to God as we share the story, and it encourages us to believe that God is, that God exists, and that he will continue to work in my life and work in your life. And so we pursue him in that. I want to encourage you, there's no insignificant testimony. 30 seconds, a minute, seemingly great, seemingly not great. If it's all to praise and to glory of God and to the encouragement of the body, there's no insignificant testimony. So don't be telling yourself what's not good enough. Come up and speak, this is who my God is and this is what he's done, that we might all praise him together. We want to create a, a, a lifestyle of this. It's not about coming up here and sharing. It's about just speaking as regularly as we, often, as regularly as we can about who God is and what he's done to bear witness of, of him. And so if you want to come up, come up. And at the same time, share with the people you live with. Share with the people in your small group. Share with the people that you work with. Have a lifestyle of bearing witness to who God is and what he's done. And, um, and we can create a culture of that within our family, within our church family. So this morning, what we're going to do is I'm going to ask Bob, um, one of our elders, to come up and to be here in a moment. Bob, come up. And I'm going to ask Tim Gosler to be in the back. We have two microphones and, and some, many of you have talked to me already. This is what I'd like to share. So I want you to feel free to come up and to share. And, and um, some of you haven't and maybe have testimony you want to you bear witness and give glory to God and encourage the, the body here. And if you haven't connected with me already, what I'm going to ask you to do is to go back to Tim Gosswiller and, and connect with him, share with him what you want to say so that he can affirm you and say, yes, share that, or that's good, let Let's find a different setting that you can share that, because it's good, but not everything needs to be shared here in this, in this context. And so that's how we're going to do that. Um, and uh, if, you have a, if you have trouble focusing, jot down one or two or three things um, that will help you stay focused on what you want to say so that you don't feel like you're rambling, because that's not, that's not helpful for you, and sometimes it's confusing for us. Um, and let's be sensitive to what God is doing. And so don't be so, don't be like, I have to share this right now, um, unless the Spirit of God is in you. Uh, but just be sensitive to what the Spirit of God is doing in our, in our midst, and feel free to come up and to share um, so that we might all honor the Lord. And let your testimony, let your testimony be focused on praising the Lord, giving honor to Him, so that as you do that, we might all be encouraged, Okay? So, Brother Bob, if you want to come up, and Tim will be in the back, and I'll just be down here. You can pick either side. Um, and as you share, for those of you that have maybe not connected with, with me or someone else yet, as you share, um, if you don't want it recorded and online, you have to let me know. Otherwise, we're going to upload it, and it'll be there, okay? So let me know if you'd prefer it, and we can edit you out um, if you don't want it to be so public, but yet you want to be able to encourage the body here. So... Feel free to come up now. Good morning. My name is Lisa Nyquist, and I happen to be Dan's mom. Um, I never really feel very comfortable doing this, as a lot of us don't. Um, but I really felt the Lord had moved me to share with you about a Bible study that I am in. Um, I am a high school teacher, and I am an introvert, 
And the last thing I want to do when I come home at 530 is to be around more people. But God brought me um, and five other ladies to um, a Bible study through Brunel's, um, at Brunel's house. And it um, has spoken to me um, in such a way that makes me so excited that I can't wait to get there on Tuesday nights. Um, it is a, a book study. It's called The Way to Wholeness by Ray Stedman. And um, it's in Leviticus. And so Burnell has dubbed us Leviticus Lovelies. And we are an age group of um, college age through grandmas. And so it's a real blessing to even have young people interested in being with old people. Um, he, I have notes, but I can't see them. So, but I just wanted you to know that um, through this Leviticus study, I have been blessed not only to be with um, women that I don't know very well, but also to understand that Leviticus is not boring. There is so much rich um, information in it that I can directly apply to my life. All the, um, the sacrifices all have meaning. Um, the clothing that the priests wear all point back to Christ. And it, it's, it's just an amazing, amazing book. So... That's my testimony. Thank you. Good morning. I'm Adam Tagaro, and I'm going to look like I'm reading a lot because I didn't memorize this. But um, um, I wanted to talk about um, something that challenged me at the men's retreat here that I went to in February. And... Um, it was kind of a twofold challenge, and one of the topics that Bob Gladstone, the speaker, um, talked about was living and kind of our identity, who we are as far as being children of God. And he used this quote from Braveheart, that every man dies, but not every man truly lives. Um, this applies to men and women, as, even though it says man, just like mankind could apply it to everything, so... Um, Living is, he wasn't talking about extreme sports, skydiving and bungee jumping and things that would make your life short if you did it wrong. Um, <laughs> but the challenge is, if we as follower, followers of Christ are really living, are we taking the opportunity to share his word with others when we see that opportunity? Or are we stuck in a rut? Are we stuck in a daily routine where you get up in the morning, you go to work, you come home, you have dinner, wash, rinse, repeat, um, and it kind of struck me that that description fit me when I look at myself. And um, the message is really that we as sons and daughters of God are so much more than drones that are just supposed to be floating through life, you know, not doing anything extraordinary, anything special. Um, because we're children of the all-powerful creator of the universe. We're made in his image. And we are meant for more. We're not just meant to get by. We're meant to live. 
and to be bold. And yes, we have our comfort zones, but are we willing to step outside of them? So that was one of the challenges that, that was brought up. And for me, this was kind of a wake-up call. Um, it was God speaking through this speaker saying, wake up, I am here, I always have been. Talk to me, soak in my word, pray to me, spend time with me, spend time in prayer, be intentional about seeking me, follow me. And it's not that I didn't know I should be doing these things, but going back to the whole daily routine, you know, have I actually been making God a part of my daily routine? Or am I just relegating Jesus to another book on the shelf that I pull out when I need him, collecting dust? So the challenge reminded me of lyrics from uh, one of my favorite bands, Switchfoot. It said, we were meant to live for so much more. Um, and so with this challenge fresh in my mind, um, last week while I was at work, and for me, witnessing at work is, is kind of a touchy subject. It's difficult. And um, there is a, uh, I've, I've got a, a coworker, a non-believing coworker, and we were just having a casual conversation about um, life and things like that. And I had this opportunity to share about a time that God rescued me through prayer. And I could very clearly just hear him in, in my mind saying, here's your opening. Are you going to take it or not? And so I took the opening and I said, I explained that when I was a child, I, I prayed and was immediately answered, immediately rescued. And to me, that was, it's one of those moments in your life that um, sticks with you. And so, of course, this, my coworker didn't just be like, oh, praise Jesus, or anything like that. <laughs> but did I plant a seed? Was I being bold, and was I living in that moment? And when the conversation was over, I said, yes, I, I lived during that moment. So this is just a stepping stone for me, is, is this challenge to actually live, be bold, and to bring his kingdom here. So that's, that's my testimony. Thanks. Thank you. So a couple weeks ago when um, Pastor Matt talked about uh, testimony or giving a testimony, I'm like, oh, man, there's so much God has done in my life, you know? I would love to share that with the family of God. And then I was like, <laughs> but what do I choose? You know, there's so much. If you think over the scope of your life, and, I mean, I'm not dead yet either, so I'm sure there's more <laughs> coming. <laughs> but um, on Wednesday night, I woke up in the middle of the night. I still didn't know midweek, and Dan's like, well, I need to know by Thursday. I'm like, oh, boy. And so um, Wednesday night, it was at midnight, I woke up, and I'm like, okay, God, you woke me up for a reason. And he just flooded my mind with um, just the different ways he's worked. And I took out a notebook in the dark and wrote. <laughs> and they weren't necessarily straight lines or, I, I kind of could read what I wrote, but um, I want to share with you what God brought to mind. Um, Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Romans 11, 33 through 36 says, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given him a gift that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. 
To him be glory forever. Amen. It was about 15 years ago that God began my journey of physical suffering. Um, When it started, I thought it was just going to be a brief moment in my life, but weeks turned into months, and months turned into years. Not even one doctor could diagnose what exactly was going on, and it puzzled the medical community. Eventually, one doctor suggested that I start eliminating some foods from my diet to see if I would start to feel better. As I did, my health improved a little bit. However, it didn't stop there. And until I had to keep eliminating until Thanksgiving Day a few years ago, I was down to two foods, brown rice and sunflower seeds. (laughs) Um, This was a low point in my life as we headed to um, our extended family's home for a time of feasting and celebration. I was in tears, wondering why would God have me suffer to this extent. At dinner that day, there was an elderly man there that was not a believer. He was watching me eat my rice and seeds while everyone else had traditional Thanksgiving food. By this time, God had calmed my heart and given me such a sense of thankfulness for my manna and quail, so to speak. At the end of the day before leaving, this elderly man came up to me with tears in his eyes. And he said, I don't know how you do it. How can you eat that way when everybody else isn't? I realized at that moment, God brought to my mind, he's like, this is why. God had provided an opportunity for me to share his gospel of his grace. I was able to share that it was only through God and his power that I was able to do it. If this is why God allowed suffering in my life to be a part of planting a gospel seed, it was worth it. This suffering God used to bring repentance as well. About five years ago, I was at the lowest point in my life physically, and we were in the process of preparing for the elders to anoint me and pray for healing. As we were going through scriptures and searching our hearts for hidden sins, I asked Scott, do you see any hidden sins I'm missing in my life? He said that he didn't. However, However, over the next week or so, I kept asking until one week, one day, I just broke down and asked him in tears, what's going on? I asked it as kind of a general question, but he all of a sudden got very serious, and he said, I told God this morning that if you asked what is going on, that I would tell you. I've been involved in pornography for many years. I knew it was affecting your health, and God kept using your health to convict me of my sin. Scott, at this point, truly repented, and I began a journey of understanding what true forgiveness looks like in the midst of deep hurt and betrayal. However, I was witness also to a great miracle of God. This man I was married to could now read the scripture and see what God had for him personally. He had a vision for our family. He no longer wanted to isolate himself from the family of God. And the verse that came to mind during this time was, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This was another answer to my why suffering, Lord. This suffering God has used to reveal idols in my life. There are so many things I could say here, such as the idol of fear, the idol of anxiousness, the idol of control, the idol of pride. But one thing in particular has struck me. I used to tell people, I'm like, oh, I just can't wait to get to heaven. I can eat whatever I want. (laughs) And I was reading this book, and um, it said, would you be happy in heaven 
If you had all the blessings of heaven, but God wasn't there. If you were completely healed and God wasn't there, would you be happy? And it really caused me to think about it. I'm like, man, you can even make an idol out of your suffering. And you tend to desire God's gifts more than God himself. And so it took me a while to work through that. And I, did, I came to that point where I was like, okay, God, I'd be happy in heaven if I was sick throughout eternity, but I could handle it 100% in a godly way because you were there. <laughs> and um, Habakkuk says, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit tree be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. C.J. Mahaney says, so what are you more aware of, your present suffering or your salvation? Habakkuk learned that those who know true joy in the midst of suffering are those who recognize in this life our suffering is never as great or as serious as our sin. Regardless of the severity of our suffering we experience in this life, it is always less than what we've deserved for our sins. Will we react to our trials with anger or resentment or indignation or by asking God to be glorified in and through our suffering. God has used suffering to show me the magnitude of my sin. I've had loving brothers and sisters pray over me for physical healing, and yet it hasn't been an instantaneous process. Why? Because I think God's still working on me. <laughs> um, there's been much spiritual healing that needs to take place, and God knows that he's getting more glory in my weakness versus my strength. Titus 2.10 says, encourages us to adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in everything that we do. The opportunities for those that are suffering to do this are incredible, and the world doesn't understand how we can have joy in the midst of our trials. So I would encourage you, if you're suffering today, don't waste it. A dear sister in Christ that I know had cancer. At one point I asked her, what is God showing you about himself through this? What verses have been meaningful to you? Her response was she couldn't share them yet because she couldn't say it without crying. She died before I was able to hear, and I missed the blessing of hearing how God used suffering in her life. 2 Corinthians 2, 3 through 5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we can share abundantly in comfort too. I'm struck by the fact that it doesn't say, as God has comforted you in the past, but it says comfort. And so it's an ongoing process. As God is comforting you, share that with others to comfort. And if you're, if you're in that place where you are comforting people that are suffering, be a Jonathan, as it says in 1 Samuel 23:16. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horish and strengthened his hand in God. Encourage those that are suffering to see and look for God in the midst of their pain. The best encouragement I've received from brothers and sisters have been those that have turned my eyes back to God. Not in a consumeristic way, what can God do for me to get out of this, but with eyes of his character and his attributes to gain a bigger view of who he is in the midst of it. Psalms 119, 67, and 71 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. It was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. But he said to me, 
This is from 2 Corinthians. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses. I am content with insults and hardships and persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Dan, it's really good. We started texting back and forth this week, and he asked me if I had a praise to share. And I said, sure, and I talked to him about that. Next thing you know, I'm in part of Testimony Sunday. So. <laughs> um, I wanted, a couple of guys have talked about men's retreat, and I wanted to talk about um, a little bit of different perspective from men's retreat that happened this year. Um, I had probably been looking forward to it, I've been to like 10 different retreats, and, and this one I was really looking forward to because I was bringing my son Preston with, and I was a little apprehensive about that, um, thinking, okay, he's not going to have anybody to hang around with, uh, he's going to hang around with me, that'll be really fun, you know, um, and, um, but we went, and we were looking forward to it, and I think he was looking forward to it, and, and um, we came, and, and we walked in that night and looked around, and I was amazed. Um, there was probably about 20 guys, or young guys, young men, 16 plus or minus, some a little younger, some a little older, th that were there. That was the first retreat that we have had that many young people ever. And the speaker was so spot on in the message, which some, some people have shared already. It was just awesome to live for Christ. But the most important thing to me was all the adults in that room were living for Christ and showing that example to these young men. They had their arms on them. They had their arms up in worship. They were praying with them. They pulled them aside in, in, in quiet time and talked to them. They shared with them. Um, those young men actually took a huge step toward living a life with Christ because of what happened up there. And it wasn't like we all got together and said, yeah, let's all bring our, our, our sons up there. We just all did it and showed up, and God gets all that glory. And so I just wanted to share that, and it was just a great praise of my life, and thank you very much. Well, Dan asked me if I'd come up and share a little bit. Uh, I've had an interesting journey, I'd say, especially in the last five years. I've known the Lord since I was five, but, but I would say for many years I, I kind of drifted along and, and uh, probably wasn't always as serious with God as I should have been. And in one of the main areas that I wasn't serious with him was daily devotions. And, um, and you know... Somebody shared with me the example of a campfire. If you don't keep adding wood to the campfire, what happens to it? It dies, right? And, you know, reading scripture, spending time with God is kind of like putting wood on the fire. And um, so 
you know, I, I really, I can't, and I knew that I should have done that. But I didn't do it. And I kept having reasons, you know. And, and then it's, it's interesting the journey God puts us on. Somebody said to me sometime back, it's quite a few years ago, if Satan can keep us busy, he wins. And Satan kept convincing me I was too busy for time with God. And um, so about five years ago, that really, I kind of got sick and tired of being too busy, I guess. And um, it's been interesting what that has done in my life and also in the life of my marriage. Um, a speaker once said to me, he says, you know, your, your vertical relationship with God is directly in proportional with your horizontal relationship with your wife. And it's been interesting to me f f to see how um, for now a number of years Karen and I have I mean, we just won't let ourselves go to bed at night until we've had devotions together and prayed together. And I find it interesting how close we've become. And, you know, one of the things that God put on my heart was, you know, does God or does Karen see God's love for her through me? And am I, am I caring for her in a way that brings honor to God? And um, so... I just, uh, you know, I just share that because it's, uh, it's changed my life. Um, our marriage is so much better, and it just gets better by the day. And, and I can truly say I know one of the main reasons for that is that we are, we are putting God first daily in our marriage. The other thing that, that uh, also happened during this time frame is I went to a conference and the speaker of that conference was talking, he was teaching us on some products. But, um, but he, he was very, very outspoken about his faith. And um, at that time, he'd led, he told me, 2,500 people to know the Lord. And he said, it's kind of like this. Now, bear with me. He said, that, here, can you hold that? He says it's kind of like this. If you came home one day and you saw your neighbor's house on fire, are you going to go up to the house and go, house on fire, house on fire? No, what are you going to do? You're going to start slamming on that door as loud as you can and screaming, house on fire, get out, right? You know, a lot of our neighbor's house is on fire, and they don't have the Lord in their life. And, and that really challenged me. You know, what am I doing? Am I coming home? Am I whispering house on fire and I, I just um, you know I guess one of the things that I really feel challenged in my life is that I need to, to look at my neighbor's house on fire and I need to get serious about reaching out to them you know I can a little bit relate though people would say I'm not an introvert to some degree I am a little bit <laughs> but you know sometimes it's hard to say that um, to witness. When we were at camp, the speaker made this statement. I'd never heard this before. For those people that we witness to and they reject Christ, we are the aroma of death to them. They effectively are smelling their own death. And that's profound to me because it's like, 
you know what? I just need to keep witnessing the people. And I need them to hear that. And what they do with it, that's their choice. But um, anyway, so that's how God's worked in my life. And so thank you. Praise the Lord. Yeah. wanted to share something briefly. I was challenged uh, a while back to change how I uh, spent my time in devotion. So it's interesting, the same uh, situation that, that uh, we just heard about. And um, I was really encouraged to spend time looking at longer passages of Scripture. So I, I found a Bible reading plan. So I'm just finishing up year two of a one-year Bible reading plan because it's, it's daunting. And sometimes I don't always have time, but it has been a great blessing to me on how the Word of God speaks. It is living. It is alive. It does speak to us. I'll give you an example. This is the reading from today. Um, and it, it just uh, has a section from the Old Testament, a section from the New Testament. In the Old Testament, Solomon is building the temple. Um, Solomon gave orders, this is from 2 Chronicles 2, Solomon gave orders to build a temple for the name of the Lord and a royal palace for himself. He conscripted, then it tells how many people uh, he had, and he sent this message to Hiram. Send me cedar logs as you did for my father David when you sent him cedar to build a palace to live in. Now I am about to build a temple for the name of the Lord my God and to dedicate it to him for burning fragrant incense before him for setting out the consecrated bread regularly and for making burnt offerings every morning and evening on the Sabbaths and new moons and at the appointed feast of the Lord our God. This is the lasting ordinance for Israel. The temple I am going to build will be great because our God is greater than all other gods, but who is able to build a temple for him? Since the heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain him. So that was the reading from the Old Testament. The reading from the New Testament today, from the Gospel, is uh, Luke 17, um, and Jesus is having a conversation, um, Luke 17, starting in verse 20. He said, um, so we're preparing to, to come together this morning to hear and to share testimonies about how God is working in our life, right? So I read the passage from the Old Testament about, about building the dwelling place of God. And then the gospel says, Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, Here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you or the kingdom of God is among you. And this morning it was as if God was saying, I'm going to show you this morning where I dwell. And he proved it from his word. It's like this word is written for me. And over and over and over again, it has been as if God has said, when I spend time with him in the morning, he says, I'm gonna sh this is what I'm going to show you today. Here's how you should interpret what's going to happen today. Or sometimes it's teaching. It's 
this is what happened yesterday. This is why it happened. I'm going to show and reveal to you from my word uh, more about myself. And I just want to encourage you to, to spend time and let the, God speak to you and, um, and let the living word speak to you.